Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire cartoon fan podcast. This is episode 459, and today we'll be talking about I Won't Leave You Alone from Being Puppycat. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, David, what was... What did we just witness? What... <laughs> this is this is an end to a season. Truly, if you didn't get how Bee and Puppy Cat works at this point, <laughs> I think this finale drives it home. You are never going to get a straightforward answer or a straightforward story in this show. They threw so much at us <laughs> in this final episode. Uh, one... The most extreme cliffhanger I can think of. I mean, it really feels like a part one of X. <laughs> you know, the whole next season should really be the answer to whatever the heck is going on in this. We see the conclusion to so many starting storylines, like what was Molly's fate going to be? What was Cardamon's mom doing asleep this whole time? <laughs> yeah, we were asking the wrong question the whole time. We should have been asking, what's Cardamon doing awake? That is exactly it, right? <laughs> also, you know, it was pretty obvious that B's ship was Puppycat's ship, but did we think the island was a ship? <laughs> no! But yet, here it is. Also, did anyone think that the island was actually suppressing people? It seems to be, in some way, suppressing their ideas or something, because uh, little obnoxious redhead cooking prince comes in and immediately identifies that something wrong is going on here. <laughs> it certainly is, you know, as Molly's black-voided, rainbow-edged body is, you know, completely wrecking the landscape. And, well, I'm not even sure what it's doing in the first place. How is it attracting Puppycat? It doesn't really seem to be doing anything related to the Warlock's mission, but whatever. Can I say, though, that that sequence where, you know, Puppycat's finally gotten everything in order, he pulls out the ring, throws it up in the air, and he just sticks his hand up with his finger waiting for it. It's like, oh my god, he is so cool. <laughs> He's been waiting for that moment. Yeah, you can really feel the uh, Space Prince vibes <laughs> in this in this one. You can see what Puppycat wants to be again. We're all pulling for you, Steve. It's a little concerning. It's it's not great. You know, he and B split in in this episode. Like, He's focused on taking back his ship suddenly, and he does not care about Molly at all. But he doesn't explain to B how this can solve her problem. That's true. He's just being kind of rude about it. <laughs> you know, he's not saying... Well, I mean, yes, he is helping out, but also it's only because he notices B falling in the ocean with her guts. <laughs> you know, streaming out. Yeah, he's like, uh-oh, those are bees' guts. I guess I better take care of this. But yeah, the fact that this was just lying here and wait the whole time, like, he could have just reclaimed the ship, he could have just started putting things together. Uh, it's a little strange, because he's already encountered the ship before, so I'm not sure why he was waiting on B to grab a few other things to initiate this process. Maybe he's lazy. I mean, it's probably, he probably knew where it was the whole time. He doesn't have the brute strength necessary to get his stuff to there. Yeah. It's still mysterious why he's put off dealing with the warlocks for so long. It is that kind of lazy or something else <laughs> uh, character trait. Because, yeah, he could have done this the whole season. He wasn't waiting for anything about B to change or himself to change. But it seems like he just reached a breaking point with... The arrival of the hands. 
Yeah, he screams at them, if you won't leave me alone, I won't leave you alone. Yeah, it's a it, it's an interesting engine of change, because, again, it all could have happened. <laughs> I guess it's one thing for them to attack him while he's out there on the job, but when they're attacking him in his sanctuary, in his home, that's when he gets upset. Yeah. But it's curious, because why has he refused to deal with this nuisance? We just watched him deal with, you know, an hours long, or however long it was, retraining class <laughs> for the temp agency. So what is it about these these warlocks, which are not that hard to defeat in, in most circumstances? You know, what is it about them? What what part of his past is so painful that he doesn't want to deal with it? Or like, why are the warlocks so related? I mean, clearly, you know, he has the whole being turned into a monster, being separated from his love thing going on. But like, does that prevent him from addressing the stupid hands chasing after him? Like, is there some consequence we don't know about yet for him kind of showing up again with the ship? You know, is he kind of in hiding or out on the edges and engaging in this is going to bring back all his old enemies? I guess we'll find out since he's blasting off into space. That would make sense. Like, he's just been laying low on uh, on the island this whole time. Man, how long has this ship been there for an island to form around it? <laughs> Yeah, and all the people to move there and then forget, you know, why they were there. I love that Violet announces, all right, the ship's taking off. Uh, leave the island immediately. Like, imagine you're just, you know, enjoying your day, eating some lunch, and you just hear over the speakers. Not even an explanation of the fact that where you live is a spaceship, but just leave now or you're going into space. I mean, to be fair, these are people who live on the island and think nothing strange is going on, so I do have a, a feeling that most of them are like, oh, okay. <laughs> do you think that everyone left except for the wizard family? I, I guess Toast and Merlin were staying, but we really only see the one, the, the, the unimportant one, the ordinary guy, preparing for travel. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, I do feel like, I mean, Crispin's not gonna let B go, especially after he's just seen her naked. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, so many moments to talk about, but that one joke, he sees the five colored bees uh, who, well, we don't know what they are. There's some kind of robot spirits that have emerged out of her, and we don't know why they emerged versus formless uh, little white spirits and then turned into colored versions of her after sitting in the Molly carcass for a while. Totally unexplainable, but, uh, but he hits on him. <laughs> he hits on one of them, the pinkish red one, and she does look kind of naked. Did you have to call it a carcass? I'm I'm trying to be in denial about Molly's fate here. Okay, so I mean the positive thing is, you know, so Molly gets hands shoved in his three holes. Uh the fourth <laughs> warlock could have joined in, uh, but you know, that inappropriate joke just rolled along in the show and we'll just <laughs> roll along here too. Yep, they just pay no pay no attention to uh, what we just said. But uh yeah, so that seems to have really disrupted Molly's body. We even see kind of a x-ray or uh see-through vision of the hands just like directly mucking about in his body. Doesn't look like a good thing. His body does change back to its normal color after resting in the ship. So I'm going to say that they're not going to be doing a really depressing <laughs> you know, scene where they shoot Molly's carcass into space. Uh, I, I feel like the color returning to his body is a good sign, but he might need eyeballs again. 
Yeah, if you think about it, like with the the warlocks, you know, they turn black when they're dead, or just when their hands have been in the in the stuff. But you know, he turns back white. So crossing my fingers. Yeah, he's such a nice guy. But yeah, don't you feel kind of tricked <laughs> since he was so prevalent in the last episode, and yeah. then they they just had to go and do that to you. And then, of course, uh, we can't forget Deckard's self-appointed boyfriend. Don't don't tell me he's not trying to appoint himself Deckard's <laughs> boyfriend. That's definitely where he's okay, going. Okay, I love that they bring back Deckard. You know, just bring him back on the spaceship. You know, he wasn't much of a focus of the season at all. And all we get from Deckard is, yeah, school went terrible, and this kid who hasn't paid attention to him all semester suddenly wants to be his boyfriend. <laughs> Follow him around and insult him the whole time. Well, no. He, uh, Deckard caught his eye in that one episode, uh, where he's just up there watering his plants. I was, uh, we had that one discussion where it's like, I feel like I remember Deckard watering plants after, you know, while I was editing, I remembered, oh, that episode when he was at culinary school. Oh, right, we briefly see him. Wow, that's kind of embarrassing (laughs) that he, that he watched Deckard from so long from afar. And then he just awkwardly only could engage in insults. To try to be with him. Yep, he's just he's just down there with all of his buddies, and he looks up and he sees Deckard. At, at first, I thought he's like, "Why isn't this guy impressed by me?" But uh, turns out he was impressed by Deckard. Who knew? <laughs> Best scene for me was definitely that he tried to get Deckard to pay for his bus ticket, and then it w- <laughs> was just because he was only carrying his coin purse on him instead of his wallet. How embarrassing. <laughs> It was it was embarrassing. Though. Oh, so okay. So theory about the cooking prince. He's like, uh, wait, if you're so good at baking, why don't they call you the baking prince? It's like, uh, what if he's god awful at cooking, uh, just like Deckard is god awful at baking? Oh, maybe they'll be able to teach each other how to be proper culinary masters, and they can both pass next semester. Yeah, uh, this character has a lot that he needs to do to redeem himself in my eyes before I can imagine uh, the cute things that he could do with Deckard. Uh, But sure. (laughs) I feel like he needs to transition away from the constant nitpicking, though. Oh, yeah. Like, the oh, your name's Deckard? It doesn't suit you. And it's like, oh, my God. It is a good pairing, though. It it really helps develop. I mean, we already saw this kind of these traits of Deckard. But the way that he tries to just let things roll off him and he just is so mild about how he's bothered about things. I don't know what his reaction to being in space is going to be and being around his family again is going to be, but I like that they introduced this. Especially Toast now. Well, God, <laughs> I, do, I don't even understand. We're going to raise the baby not to be feral like it's Oh mother. my gosh. Yeah, those text messages. So Deckard is texting Cass coming back. Those were some of the most human messages in this series. <laughs> they They felt so real and were a brief moment where the characters weren't talking in a stilted, mysterious, lots of pauses, who knows what it means, subliminal messages, <laughs> adventure time, whatever type of way. You know, it was just real. <laughs> it felt like, you know, how I would joke around talking and texting someone. So I I really liked that. <laughs> like reminding us that these are just normal people in this crazy ass island. <laughs> and well, Good luck to them. So I I love how for the entire season, it's been like this huge thing about Cardamon's mother. And then, like I said, it turns out we're not really going to do much with it. I'm going to get up for, I mean, presumably because Puppycat ripped that cord out. 
But then I'm just going to go back to sleep because Cardamon and I both woke up early. Uh, one of us a lot earlier than the other. Oh, yeah. That was an amazing twist. I don't think anyone would have been theorizing that the machines that looked like, you know, ventilators and life support were just straight up <laughs> life suppression machines <laughs> meant to maybe put keep them in stasis for some reason. Uh, very weird. Hmm. You know, we know B got sick and then was preserved by her dad. We kind of thought her dad became shrunken and lived inside her or inside the birthday machine or something. It, that still yeah. might actually even be the case, which would be very unfortunate for Violet, who thinks she needs to wait around for B's dad. Isn't she sending Puppycat out to find uh, her father? I mean, what does that even mean, though? Like, I guess Violet did park this spaceship here. We know Puppycat wasn't originally here. He was off doing something for some amount of time and then appeared through a portal in front of B. How intentional that was, why he did it at the timing he did, who knows? Was this part, you know, what would he have been searching on the island? Clearly, they know about B. So, yeah, I, I don't know. The dad that was in the birthday machine was probably like the bees that are inside of B. There's just these other yeah. beings <laughs> that are essences. It's a part of him. Yeah, so I guess he maybe is somewhere out in space. And for some reason that we don't understand yet, Violet wants to keep herself and Cardamon in stasis, which... I, yeah, I don't get it. They're not sickly. They don't seem... I, do they think it's going to take a really long time? <laughs> so they need to, you know, stay in stasis. It's also strange because they're not in stasis pods. So as far as like sci-fi visual language goes, it kind of just looks like it's keeping yeah. them asleep. You know, how is that beneficial to the mission? Will we ever know the answer? That's the real question. <laughs> well, from a meta show perspective, you know, being Puppycat did get purchased by some Japanese media company. So I think a season two is happening. It's not normally something that you believe in with animated shows on Netflix, but uh, there's hope. Ooh, I'm crossing my fingers. Yes. So the only news I have is that I, I know it's a godforsaken website at this point, but uh, Reddit on the Being Puppycat subreddit has a, um, not a pinned post, but definitely a up, well, maybe it was pinned for a while, but everyone was very excited that it got published by, or that it got purchased by this media company. So we'll see. Um, I don't know. If I look at the top posts for the year, maybe I could see what the actual company's name was. I, I do find it very unlikely that you would purchase a media property only to not exploit it further. That would be very unlikely. Right. I mean, we have no idea how Netflix associates views with continuing projects and we have no idea how expensive or not this show was i mean i think it looks beautiful i hope the voice actors were paid well <laughs> and the writers but um yeah who knows it was purchased there also is a writer strike right now so depending on where they were at you know it could be a while <laughs> for a season two or three depending on how you're counting yeah it looks like people have decided that lazy in space is season two and so this is uh seems to be most popularly called season three uh, is what we're hoping for. So yeah, best wishes. But uh, <laughs> meanwhile, yeah. So what's what's the count of mysteries now that we're at that we, we would like to see? Oh, good grief. Um, <laughs> where do we begin? Um, I would like a little bit of clarity on the timeline now that I know that, you know, rocks were able to form around the ship. 
Um, I want to know who's putting the warlocks up to this. At least the warlocks were gracious enough to explicitly state, we have to catch him so we can quit doing this stupid thing. (laughs) I want to know a lot. Yeah, I'm just thinking even in this episode. So obviously going to space is itself a mystery, but the search for B's dad is introduced. Uh, We didn't realize we needed to look for him. Now we're looking for him. We don't, you know, (laughs) Buppy Cat asks himself, why is all this crap in the ocean? (laughs) <laughs> that that's kind of part of the timeline of events that's what i was wondering why does b think that puppy cat stuff is hers why is she thinking it's her mess that she needs to deal with puppy cat knows more about b than b knows about puppy cat and that is a weird situation we don't understand why that's the case <laughs> so i'm assuming that the that stuff was her father's and then it became hers and then that that's my best guess that B's father ended up with it and that's how it ended up in the ocean because B ended up with her dad's stuff. Now I I will I just remembered a thing that is definitely true. Here's an answer that isn't explicit in the show but that little baby with a hammer that we saw hanging out in Puppy Cat's original, you know, space crew. That's definitely B's dad, right? Yeah, that's what we decided, I think, based on the hairstyle, I thought. So that helps with the timeline right (laughs) assuming he doesn't live forever assuming he didn't do the same thing to himself we're looking at you know 40 50 years (laughs) between being in space searching for candy and then being outlaws on the run yeah the, the the idea of like oh the rocks had to form on the island i don't know maybe it just had camouflage or something hmm I don't know. They put a lot of infrastructure in that place. There's a lot of human-built infrastructure. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, that would then suggest that B's dad, is he not human? Is he scientifically modified? (laughs) I mean, he's a scientist. He can do all the modifications himself. Yeah. I mean, and he had to, you know, maybe practice on someone else before he, you know, did all the great robotics on his daughter. You want to talk about, uh, Interesting stuff, though. You remember when Puppy Cat was trying to make the tracking device um, so that B will eat something and then it'll just have the the little person pointing (laughs) its way towards her? I like how Violet has her own for Puppy Cat. Yeah, I was wondering about that. If uh, Well, because I thought that tracker ended up being able to track Puppy Cat instead of B. Yeah, yeah, he, he ate it. He ate it. Right, so isn't that the same tracker, though? I thought she just somehow immediately picked that up and understood what its purpose was and how to use it. See, I I just assumed that she had her own. This is something that had happened before. That's how he got the idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was very casual, though, how she just kind of started following it. Either way, everyone loves a callback. He definitely. Violet is... Such a character. Uh, Not the voice I expected out of Cardamon's mother, I'm gonna be honest. Usually you would expect something a little more dignified. They're definitely playing against type. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and we were introduced to this character in the the flashbacks, and, you know, she has that weird sound effect (laughs) layer distortion on her voice. And this really just sounds like a slightly grown-up version of that. Yeah, she's definitely not dignified when she was younger. Why start now? No, but she doesn't have as much of the, I don't know, carefree, ridiculous, sassy 
you know, that's not as much there. I mean, she is a caring mother. She's very sweet toward Cardamon. She sheds a tear while hugging him. And then Sticky gets new color for her ears. <laughs> yep, licking, licking the tears. Who knows what other consequences that has. <laughs> now, at least we know the place isn't going to fill up with tears with Sticky on the job. Yeah, maybe maybe it suggests that. <laughs> maybe Sticky can just keep lapping them up. Uh, the, the tears had a, a really typical effect in the Warlock realm, too. I was wondering if that was going to be any more different or unusual, but it seems like they just keep forming the little plants. Yeah, man, I thought I thought there was going to be some terrible consequence to the warlocks getting their hands on the tears, but no. The terrible consequence was them getting their hands on Molly. In Molly. I don't know why they were dragging Molly back either so long ago. I don't know what their purpose was. I guess because they figured they were so close to Puppycat then, they were probably just going to do to him then what they did to him now. Yeah. They did finally demonstrate power, though. I think we were just talking last episode that they didn't seem to have many powers other than long, stretchy arms. But, uh, you know, manipulating celestial eternal beings. Uh, we can we can add that one to the list. <laughs> yeah, these guys are bad news, even if they do have a great audio cue. <laughs> so uh, a mystery we didn't actually explicitly talk about was just bees fate and more about how she works as a robot so we saw all these spirits emerge from her but there was no conclusion to that at all i mean they remained outside her yeah for the rest of the episode they're gonna remain there until they find her dad uh yeah it's confusing are those essential to her operation like when we see inside her chest we see that there's multiple tubes leading to where those little spirits were she's also been rebooting the whole time like puppy cat does something to initiate like a reboot or reload sequence and her eyes are just flashing you know pink with symbols her facial expression does change from expressionless to smiling though so something good is going on right it's just like is that going to have a consequence is she just going to be back to normal is she suddenly going to have a lot more memories (laughs) or is she going to even have less like have forgotten the past few months I don't think anybody can forget that birthday. <laughs> yeah, it's it's convenient that all the island stuff is still with them on the ship, so we can still talk more about the birthday machine and whatever, but... And the cat cafe. <laughs> yeah, I, it's gonna be weird. I, I hope there's an atmosphere around the island. I assume there is, so that the wizards don't uh, immediately die in the first episode. I have a feeling they'll be fine. Violet uh, seemed to think the only problem was going to be getting flung about while they accelerated. Also, could you tell the relationship between the small ship in the ocean and the entire island? Like, they're not incorporated within each other. No, that was a huge fake out. It's like, you think this is the ship? No, no, this is just like the bridge. Yeah, so that's just a control center. Did it Did it even remain? I'm forgetting already, even though I just watched it. Did it come out of the ocean and it just kind of can freely float around separately? I did not keep track of that at all. Yeah, neither did I. I I guess it's not that important, but it's just funny. That definitely was the original ship, but I guess we did see long corridors and rooms. So I don't know. Clearly that ship is too small for the things we've seen in it. So, yeah, (laughs) this show's really good at fake outs, and it's also very good at keeping its imagery very oblique and (laughs) hard to process and remember. 
But now we have all the time in the world <laughs> to pour back over yeah. it. Well, hopefully, hopefully they have something to announce for us at some point, because I am definitely interested to see where this ends up. There's a few comics, so, <laughs> you know, m- mull on those for a little bit. There's also a, like, $300 cooking book, because, uh, I don't know, they made very few copies, so I don't know, if you try to go on eBay, it costs, I mean, maybe even, like, 450 I don't know if the recipes are as good as the price, but I, I, I stare at it sometimes. But actually, you can, you can get it all in a, a PDF online. No worries. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on I Won't Leave You Alone. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.